Hello, everyone. Welcome to this Triangles Meditation Group webinar. Today is February 20th, 2023, and we're so grateful to have all of you here joining us today. Before we get started, though, let us take a moment to um, align ourselves, sound together as a group, the noontime recollection. We know, O Lord of life and love about the need, touch our hearts anew with love that we too may love and give. So again, welcome to the Triangles Group webinar. Today we have um, a special guest joining us, a returning guest, uh, Jen Louie, who will be speaking on um, the esoteric approach to the land. Thank you, Jen, we're great to have you. It's great to have you back uh, presenting again on the webinar. <clears throat> so like always, we'll start off today with a, a short introductory presentation, followed by a meditation, um, and then concluding with um, Jen's presentation on the theme and a group discussion. So if you do have any questions, maybe you're new to the triangles work or have any questions about anything that's brought up or the meditation itself, you can hold those questions till the end and we'll have time to, hopefully have time to, to get to you. So the, the purpose of this webinar uh, really is twofold. We meet here to introduce the work of triangles um, to people who are new to it and to aid, in, aid them in the forming of new triangles. And we also seek to create a platform for people who are already members to come together each week, participate in a group meditative visualization in support of the Triangles Network. Triangles is a simple visualization technique which uses the power of thought and prayer to uplift and transform consciousness. The work of triangles is simple. In this work, three people agree to link each day and establish a line of lighted, loving communication. They link together as a triangle of light, mentally, spiritually, and in a spirit of goodwill to all humanity, they visualize this triangle and then place their triangle within a larger planetary network of triangles. And as they do this visualization, they sound the great invocation, which helps to release and circulate spiritual energies throughout the network and into the consciousness of humanity. And this work can be done at any time of the day. Um, it can be fit into even the busiest of schedules because you do not need to coordinate with your members as in do it at the same time. Um, and you do not need to be in the same physical location either. It can be done totally subjectively at your convenience. So um, again, if anybody has questions about this work, we invite you to just uh, hold your questions over until the discussion period into the webinar and we're happy to, to get to it. Um, so let's now proceed with a very short uh, visualization on the five planetary centers. 
we begin by visualizing the planet as a sphere of lighted energy. And now we visualize within that sphere, a triangle. This is the triangle of the three primary planetary centers. Shambhala, the planetary head center, hierarchy, the planetary heart, and humanity, the planetary throat center. We visualize the circulation of energies flowing in all directions around the triangle from point to point, merging and blending the three points and filling the triangle with light. Now superimposed upon that triangle, we visualize a five-pointed star. This is the star of the world teacher, linking east and west, past and future, and radiating the energy of love wisdom. And at each point of the star, which is the sphere of his activity, stands an outpost of his consciousness, the five planetary centers. Visualize the energies radiating forth from the center and through the five points of the planetary star. London, Darjeeling, New York, Geneva, and Tokyo. We visualize these outpouring energies enlivening small groups gathering everywhere aiding them to focus and direct the energies into the consciousness of all humanity, solving its problems, creating right human relations, and restoring peace on Earth.
And we sound together the mantra. Radiance, we are in power. We stand forever with our hands stretched out, linking the heavens and the earth, the inner world of meaning and the subtle world of glamour. We reach into the light and bring it down to meet the need. We reach into the silent place and bring from thence the gift of understanding. Thus with the light we work and turn the darkness into day. One of the central tenets of the esoteric doctrine is that there is no dead or inorganic matter in the universe. All forms, from the atom to the human to a solar system, are life forms, living forms, and therefore are evolving. They evolve by the power of the will and intelligence of the greater life in which they live. And this truth goes hand in hand with another, perhaps the most fundamental truth of the ageless wisdom, that spirit and matter are one. For as Helena Blavatsky stated, spirit is matter at its lowest point of expression, and matter is spirit at its highest. Life pervades them both. Matter is the vehicle of spirit, and both are inseparable parts of the one life who is the boundless, absolute, and unknowable deity. They are, in essence, two aspects of one principle. The two are distinct only in the limited perception of the world of the senses. The ageless wisdom teaches that matter is not so much a great evil, but rather that matter is nature herself and is indestructible because co-eternal with spirit. Matter or nature includes all the many grades of life forms and in fact is the quote, totality of existences in the cosmos, which fall within the range of possible perception not just human perception. These countless lives in their many grades, atomic, elemental, vegetable, human, devic, and even superhuman, are all outbreathings of one life. And together, as an integrated whole, interrelated whole, they constitute the great tapestry of nature herself. In the human experience, life is often and unavoidably experienced as dual, soul and personality 
self and others, humanity and the natural world. This is due in part to the monastic to the monastic or mental spark, which differentiates man from the animal and grants him his unique power, as well as responsibility to these and other forms of life. The yet partial development of the mind and the limited perception it grants results in the ability to separate and distinguish, to categorize and discriminate, yet not to unite. And one of the great tasks which confronts humanity at this time is to develop the full power of the mind so that it can be used as a bridge of unification as well as a means of discerning truth, of unifying and synthesizing the many disparate parts into alignment with the pure vision and love of man's higher nature. It is important to keep in mind that human perception and experience reveals only one part or aspect of nature. And to be truly understood, nature must be viewed and studied in all of her many phases, atomic as well as cosmic, including the mental, the vegetable, and the animal kingdoms, which embody unique and fundamental principles of our planetary whole. Humanity can and must rise out of its preoccupation with its own problems and begin to truly understand these other phases of divine living. And the very fact that humanity possesses the capacity to rise out of the self and to see the whole means that we have the responsibility to do so. We must become not just our brother's keeper, not just our sister's keeper, but the keeper also of the natural world. There's great esoteric truth in the biblical statement that God created man in his likeness and granted him dominion over the animals and the natural world. Just as there have been great representatives of deity who stand as mediators between the limited mind of the human and the mind of God, so too is humanity destined to stand as mediator between the lower kingdoms in nature and those spiritual potencies which cannot otherwise reach them because they lack the appropriate facility of reception. This is a profound responsibility and one which our modern society is just beginning to awaken to. Importantly though, there is much that the other kingdoms in nature have to contribute to humanity. And we must never forget that though all the kingdoms can be organized into a hierarchy of graded lives, this is only one method of organization. And the many kingdoms in nature, in reality and truth, have a symbiotic and circular relationship with each other. This special relationship is perhaps most obvious between humans and the animals. Technically speaking, humanity is said to be more advanced spiritually and more capable of love on account of being in possession of the spark of mind. Animals who lack the spark are not capable of expressing love on that plane. Yet animals love with a devotion 
and an intensity which is very rare for the human being to muster. So often humanity's attention is divided and directed into many lines of thought and activity. Animals, on the other hand, naturally throw all of their energy into one channel. The love of, of a beloved pet is often granted with the full force and energy of which that animal is capable. And they reserve nothing for anything else. The love feels the animal's whole life. It is unceasing. And so often feels the, feels the life of the human or humans to which that animal is one pointedly and unfailingly devoted. The Tibetan writes that, quote, love was the impelling motive for manifestation. In love, it is that keeps all in ordered sequence. Love bears all on the path of return to the father's bosom and love eventually perfects all that is. The Triangles Network distributes this love from the mental plane and aids the divine circulatory flow of life and love throughout all kingdoms in nature so that each may fulfill their vital role in the planetary whole. And so without further ado, now let us proceed into our meditative visualization on the planetary network. We begin by linking together and affirming the fact of our group fusion. Linking with all those people throughout the world who are working with this Triangles Meditation Group. We sound together the affirmation of love. In the center of all love, I stand. From that center, I, the soul, will outward move. From that center, I, the one who serves, will work. May the love of the divine self be shed abroad in my heart, through my group, and throughout the world. Using the creative imagination, link with two other points of light to create a triangle of light.
And now we visualize that triangle in which you're working as an essential part of a radiant worldwide triangles network. Now hold the consciousness immersed within the light of the group soul, the heart of love, which underlies and infuses the network. Now maintaining that high point of consciousness within the light of the group soul, maintaining the visualization of the planetary network and your triangle within that network, we lift the consciousness even now higher towards the center, towards the world teacher who stands as the very heart of love at the center of hierarchy, and also at the heart of each triangle. Precipitation. 
We visualize the energies of love, light, and goodwill circulating in and around the triangles network. Visualize these energies, unifying and eliminating all divisions within humanity, healing and transforming human consciousness, and establishing right human relationships. Sound together, imagine unification. The sons of men are one, and I am one with them. I seek to love, not hate. I seek to serve and not exact due service. I seek to heal, not hurt. Let pain bring due reward of light and love. Let the soul control the outer form and life and all events, and bring to light the love that underlies the happenings of the time. Let vision come and insight, let the future stand revealed. 
Let inner union demonstrate and outer cleavages be gone. Let love prevail. Let all people love. We visualize the whole planet alight with triangles. We see new triangles being formed everywhere. We sound together the great invocation. Visualize the network acting as a link between the world of spiritual realities and humanity, and as a channel through which light and love, and divine purpose can flow into human consciousness. From the point of light, Within the mind of God, let light stream forth into human minds. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into human hearts. May the coming one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills. The purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth.
Thank you, everybody. Um, I'd now like to invite Jen to unmute her microphone. Jen, are you there? Hey, Michael. Hey, Jen. Take it and away. Hello. Hello, everybody. Um, Michael, thanks for that really great talk you gave. Um, we have a few points overlapping, which is, which is awesome. Um, so it being the, um, the coming of that time of year when we start to think about spring, it seemed like uh, a timely subject to talk about the land and the human connection to the land, which has, which has changed over the years. Um, but the future relationship between the human race and all growing things will be a dynamic and purposeful partnership in the, in the not so distant future. This partnership has existed in various forms throughout humanity's evolution, but the last hundred years or so has taken most of us far away from the original possibilities of a human to earth connection. We as a race need to begin paying attention to the land again, to notice it, to extend out to it as if it matters. This kind of energy will attract some curious attention from the race of living things we call the Divic race and will lead in time to an energetic response from them toward us. It will hinge on our ability to be consistent, genuine, and empathetic. And we should go about our tasks associated with the earth, aware that there is a profound new kind of interaction available to us. As we walk the land, we should become consciously aware of its feel and reach. We might notice that some plots of earth actually feel awake more willing to notice the human presence. Other areas might feel distant, unknowable, and far away, even though we stand squarely right on top of it. An indigenous author named Enrique Salman is a member of the Tarahumara tribe from Northern Mexico. And he currently teaches at California State East Bay, San Francisco. He has written several books on interaction with the land. And he says, if the earth is alive and conscious, it will recognize who its friends are. These are powerful words. Friendship is a two-way street. And just because we're human, it doesn't make us the top of the food chain when it comes to connecting with the earth. The earth consciousness is its own being, and it has its own conclusions about us. The earth's manner of perception is likely not our manner at all. Perhaps it is a more streamlined consciousness that is slow and deep and true recognizing us as friend through our tone of presence or our color of intention. However the earth recognizes its own, 
that acceptance will open doors to the kind of two-way interaction we are capable of and we should begin to seek. A year or two ago, we shared a short talk on this webinar about putting gardens or farm crops into the land using the shape of a triangle. Then the great invocation is sounded at each of the three corners on a daily basis as a way to cement the higher energies into the growth process. This could be one way of approaching the human land relationship. If we believe in the power of the mind to effect a change in our physical surroundings, and we must, or we wouldn't be part of the triangles community, then we can use this truth to its fullest extent and propel humanity into its next best relationship with the earth. There have of course been pioneers in this area and there are already great points of earth light which have been in place for 50 years or more. Many of you are likely aware of the Findhorn community in Scotland where the land works in deep sync with the humans who consciously extend out to it. Foods of enormous size and vitality were grown in soil that was primarily sand. Findhorn is still in existence today and it continues to hold to the truth that the land is aware and conscious of us. Of course, the indigenous peoples of all continents have known this to be true for thousands and thousands of years. And many, many strong points of connection exist across all continents in those places where the people revered and listened to their lands. Here in the United States, many native tribes maintain cyclic ceremonies for the land. There is a deep, and profound belief in treating the mother with respect and honor. Some believe that it is the cumulative effect of these native ceremonies, which is literally holding the land together today. Many tribes also hold fast to the concept of seven generations that the impact of decisions and the actions we make now should be considered out seven generations into the future. The question always in mind with this approach is, what world are we giving to those who are not yet born, but who are coming? The condition of the land and the friendship or lack of it which has been cultivated over time, is certainly one of the situations which currently weighs heavily on the minds of Native peoples. There are many types of ceremony. Planting our gardens or crops in the shape of a triangle, and then using the great invocation to sink deep respect and energy into that land is a type of ceremony. But this is a big picture approach to nature and growth. What is happening on a much smaller level, a microscopic level, out of sight and only very rarely even considered? There was a gentleman by the name of Jeffrey Hodson who wrote many esoteric books in the first half of the 20th century. 
In one of his books, Fairies at Work and at Play, he gives a firsthand description of the activities of the elemental beings as they play their part in all the steps involved in plant growth. He was said to be a man of true sight who could see the process of plant growth starting with the earliest stirrings within the individual seed. The book itself is filled with his observations of the Devic life wave in its many forms. But for me, the gold of that book is the introduction, which was written by a man named E.L. Gardner. Edward Lewis Gardner was a member of the Theosophical Society in London, and he worked very closely with that group most of his adult life. He wrote on the subjects from consciousness to group work to the nature of the soul. He used more of an esoteric eye when talking about the land. And in his introduction, he presents us with Hodgson's rare description of the sequence of the earliest stirrings within the seed. I have condensed it here into stages but I really encourage everyone listening to look for a copy of this book and read this introduction fully for yourselves. It casts some beautiful light on exactly what is happening from an esoteric point of view. So in this progression, he is describing what he sees as he's looking at um, bulbs growing in bowls of soil. First, he notes that many microscopic etheric creatures move in and around the bulb. They look visually like tiny points of light, not surprisingly, which play around the stems and pass in and out of them. He says that these points of light can rise to the current height of the plant, but no higher than that, and that they absorb something from the atmosphere, which causes them to grow in size to be about two inches in diameter. Then they fall back down and discharge this substance into the small body of the plant. In some cases, he said, transparent tentacles extend from the plant itself, and through them, etheric matter is also absorbed. So this process is repeated over and over and over. And after viewing this process for some time, Hodgson came to the following three conclusions. One, in the heart of every seed is a living center which contains the stored up results of previous seasons. Two, apparently the awaking or stirring of the life within the seed in due season produces sound. Three, this sound is heard throughout the elemental regions and the appropriate builder answers the call to labor. Every type of growth, stem, shoot, leaf, flower, appears to have its own sound or note to which the appropriate spirit or builder must respond. The sound also has a form-producing effect. 
Of the builders, he says that they correspond to particular vibrations and that they arrive to work on the appropriate matter, that which corresponds to their vibration, and in so doing, change the free material into specialized material, discharging it atom by atom to the cell from which the sound is being uttered. As this is happening, the vibrating center of the plant acts as a magnet and draws the newly arrived material to its appropriate position within that cell. Once it reaches its limit of expansion, it divides, creating a new cell, and then the process repeats itself again. As the plant progresses, new builders arrive to discharge their tasks until the plant reaches its full growth. At this point, the full sound of the plant is sent out. We cannot hear the sound, but it presents itself in scent. So there is so much more to this description, but perhaps even the small amount will change how we see the coming of spring this year. There is one more aspect to life on Earth, which informs the journey of all growing things on the planet, humans, animals, and plants alike. That is that the Earth has a constant resonant electrical field. Its frequency is 7.83 hertz. So this is an electrical charge, which is refueled daily by a common occurrence taking place all over the planet. Lightning. Lightning hits the earth at the rate of 50 to 100 strikes per second. And with each electrical discharge, a field of energy is fed, which really never dies out. So this then is the energetic field, which all living things live within. And as it turns out, the human body resonates to about the same frequency. In other words, the frequency of the, of the earth is just perfect for human growth. Natural spaces hold this frequency consistently and it is there for the taking. Cities mostly cancel this frequency out with the abundance of electronic signals, which is why it's so important for humans to stay connected to the land. The native peoples might say that we wear our local land like a skin. We must ask ourselves what kind of skin we want to carry around with us. So our first step is to continue to strengthen our powers of observation and perception so we can better reach the awareness in the land. Our second, is to attempt to be a friend to the land. Approach it with seven generations in mind, as well as the intent to share evolution between our kingdoms. This is possible and has already happened. We are well on our way, but we need more of the human kingdom to do their part. Do you have a piece of land, large or small, it doesn't matter. 
if you haven't already, begin your conscious walk with it. Like our triangles work, each bit of land consciously worked and respected will, over time, evolve and settle in with a higher, finer energy. That energy will merge with the energy of other bits of land which are also being worked. And as this process spreads around the globe, the earth will be regenerated. The wonderful introduction to Jeffrey Hodson's book ends with these sentences. As we cease to ignore the activities of the divas and nature spirits and recognize their partial dependence on human mentality and the amazing response forthcoming when recognition is given, we shall find many of our difficulties and problems solved for us and the world far more wonderful than anything we have yet conceived. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Jen. That was such a wonderful presentation. Thank you so much. Um, <clears throat> So the floor is open now, if anybody has any comment or perhaps if you have a question, um, you know, about the theme or just about the triangles work in general, please feel free to type in the chat um, or, or, and preferably if you could, we'd love to hear from you audibly. So if you could just raise your hand and we'll unmute you to speak. To raise your hand, you go to your Zoom toolbar Go to reactions and then click the raised hand button and a hand will appear next to your name. <laughs> Lots of thanks here in the chat, Jim. Mm -hmm. uh, That's sweet. You know, we are... Um, as we do this work, like the, as we do this triangles work, um, it's really connected just to a much greater uh, whole than we stop to consider sometimes. Um, but as we as we work in our triangles, we are undoubtedly also impacting the land. Um, there are traditions and cultures which have focused solely on the land, the spirit of the land, and they've certainly done their part. Um, to continue evolving our relationship with matter. Um, so yeah, the more we continue with our triangles work, the more we continue to to evolve our relationship with the earth as well. Yeah, and I think something you brought up, I don't remember exactly the, the words you used, but it was basically a, acknowledging that the the land you know is an intelligence. Yes, <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's not just uh, something out there. It's not just a bunch of pieces of grass and trees, not a bunch of objects, you know, that look pretty. It's an actual intelligent being and one far in advance of the individual human, which sees only its own small little world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think those, those sort of 
uh, not necessarily ancient cultures, but some of those indigenous cultures that recognize that they're really, they're really, um, you know, a lot, in, in many ways in, in advance of sort of the Western mind, which doesn't really recognize, or hasn't really for a long time recognized that, but hopefully the tide is changing and those sorts of ideas are being integrated into, you know, Western thought. Yeah. It's a long process, you know, those sorts of ideas permeating and, and interacting and, but I don't know, it just seemed that there's sort of a shift happening, you know, if you think back to like the nineties, which were so materialistic, it just seems that things are so much more open. There's so many more possibilities now for, for those types of ideas. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. And there are so many beautiful centers that are open, um, not just, uh, of course, in the U.S., but all around the world that are focused on uh, the evolution of the land. So, yeah, this is this is not a new concept. This is in process. We're just at a point now where there are more of us and we are not quite to that tipping point, but we're getting close to being at that tipping point where the consciousness of the entire race can be impacted by uh, this kind of perception. So that's what we're working toward. It's a bunch of hands up. Um, we could go to Maya. Thank you, Jen. Oh, you're welcome, Maya. Hi there. Hi. Um, as a person who had the privilege of being able to spend some time at Findhorn, um, it, it's um, wonderful to be reminded of the other um, the other aspect of the triangle, which is the the physical, as opposed mm -hmm. to the will in the soul. Yes. And um, I think when we reach a point in consciousness when we don't see any separation between our bodies and the land, and our souls and our soul and each other, and then the will of God, I think we'll have gotten somewhere. <laughs> there is in reality no separation and um, someday we will we will have that unity of consciousness and act accordingly mm -hmm. right right on Maya thanks Maya let's go to Wendy Boyd hello hi Wendy oh hi thank you that was Beautiful presentation, very inspiring. It's so good to have someone sort of standing up for the land. Uh, my thing about the land and, and what you, through your presentation, brought out in me is that inwardly, and almost I keep it to myself, I have a deep pain about um, the changing land. It's as if Mother Earth has been raped and pillaged. And um, in my little country called England, you know, we have beautiful classical, classic art, um, Constable and um, off the top of my head, I can't think of anyone else, but those pictures really give me a deep feeling of 
um, losing that connection with the land. And yeah, I understand that I have to make the transition into a future experience of the land. So I can only assume that as that's going on in me, it must be going on out there. And um, that's all really, just that I have to trust, or we have to trust that the land will uh, remake itself. Mm -hmm. Makes sense, but yeah, I I think a lot of people out there feel that same pain that you feel, Wendy. Um, at the same time, we can and are doing something about it by uh, reestablishing this connection with the spirit of the land and working with it. I was so struck by that final sentence in the introduction that I read at the end there, where he said, um, if we really do pay attention and, and start to work with nature as we were meant to, our problems may indeed be taken care of. And I don't know what everybody else reads into that, but I read epic things into that statement. Can you imagine a world where uh, the human kingdom and the natural king kingdoms or the, the David kingdoms are working together to right the uh, the wrongs that have been done to the earth. I honestly think this is possible. And I, I do think if enough of us yeah. uh, put ourselves in line with true intention, true deep um, love, loving intention for the earth with Nature, I think we can achieve this. I think we will get there. Nature can help us fix nature, if that makes sense. Yeah. Can I say something else as well? Yes, ma'am. Um, oh, going out of my head now. Yes, it's also about having that vision back and that perception, like yeah. the, the God of Pan. People yeah. <laughs> that in their hearts. And in their souls and in their bodies, and we've we've become as if it's not right to have a body. We're we're looking up so much that we're not inhabiting our bodies. And I worry, you know, I mean, this work that we're doing can become very heady. So I think what you're doing is grounding us. It's 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 you know so good and presenting a vision of how it can be. If, like you say, we unite in that way. Yeah. That's, thank, you. That's, thank you, Wendy. Thank you, Wendy. Um, but we're almost to close now, but let's go to one final um, comment or question from Sam Jones. Uh, Hi, Sam, are you there? Hello. Yeah, hello. Thank you so much, both of you, Michael and Jen. Beautiful presentation. Um, for the over 30 years now, I've been holding meditations in the garden um, with people in our local community, um, using Triangle of 
candles as well as to the directions mm. and do it eight times a year for all the main nature ceremonies. Oh, nice. Um, and it's not, unfortunately, it's sort of not meditation from uh, the ancient wisdom, but at the same time, it does incorporate it to a way. And it, it ended up for all generations. You know, we had right from my children and all their friends up to grandparents and, yeah. And it's yeah. just, it, I, I can't stop doing it now. <laughs> I feel like I... I have to do that celebration and gratitude and love to to the natural world. Yeah, I mean, why would you want to stop, Sam? <laughs> mm, yeah, uh, we are connected to the earth. We were meant to live in symbiotic relationship with each other. Um, mm. So, don't stop. Yeah, and the good thing about it is it takes everybody out of the normal house and crazy environment and actually sitting in the garden you know mm -hmm. for those hours it is wonderful mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah uh, so thank you thank you so much for a wonderful presentation tonight both thank of you. you thanks sam thank you sam and thank you jen i think now we're going to go ahead and close close the webinar are there any final words you wanted to say jen before we close no, I'm, <laughs> I am very happy. Thank you, everybody, and Michael. Thank you, Jen. Let's just all end with a, with a moment of silence to link up with the group and the, and the network. Thank you.